Network City near Long. Muzzin outlets to Toffoli. Here he comes on a breakaway. Tyler Toffoli scores! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Now he back down low. Pearson trying to tip that puck along the far boards. Toffoli gathers. Kempe down low. Pearson scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Uh, we're going to have a brief post-game episode for you about the Vancouver Canucks. Jack Jablonski is on vacation, and frankly, there's another game tonight, and there's not much to say about a, a 3 nothing victory over the Vancouver Canucks. Um, obviously, it comes on the heels of a 7-2 defeat at the hands of the St. Louis Blues, and I feel like there was really even less to say about that game. Um this 3-0 win over the Vancouver Canucks is probably the least excited I've ever been about a 3-0 shutout of an opponent. Um, and that's not a criticism. That's just to say the Vancouver Canucks are not a terribly good hockey team and the Kings should have won that game. They did win that game. Now, in the past this season, there have been similar situations where I've said, I don't want to hear about who their opponent was. I don't want to hear about you know how their opponent was playing. A win is a win, you know, get excited about it. And there's an element of that to this game, but the reality is after losing to the Blues the way they did, anything other than a 3 nothing shutout <laughs> against Vancouver was going to be a bit of a, a disappointment and a letdown. They, they needed to win, and they needed to win big, and so they did. So great. That was, that was sort of best-case scenario was that they did what they needed to do. <laughs> um, so I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for fans. But... They go right back at it tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. They need to win that one. They need to win against Detroit on Thursday. Points are at a premium. Everybody knows that. We're down to the last, whatever it is, 12 or 13 games or, or, or fewer for some teams. And, you know, it's a it's a dog race. Uh, presently, the Kings are in a playoff spot. But obviously, we know uh, the, the fortunes of any given night can change the playoff uh, seating and the playoff picture. So they have games in hand over important opponents. And I think the schedule breaks in their favor, but that's, you know, that's something of a meaningless statement because, as we said, any any uh, any different outcome on any given night, um, the wrong team loses or the, or the right team wins, and everything changes. So tonight Dallas plays and, uh, and Colorado plays and Calgary plays. So, you know, everything can change. We're going to look at the schedule in a little bit and talk about who plays who and and what I think that means. But first, let's focus on that game uh, last night because while I'm not going to get too excited about it, I think there were some some highlights to point out. So Toby Reeder is inserted back into the lineup. Uh, we see Jeff Carter with Reeder and Lewis, which was an interesting line. You know, I never would have anticipated that. Um, I think it worked out. Um, the real benefit, benefit of that was the quote-unquote third line, which was Kempe, Toffoli, and Pearson. They went up against the Sedin line and dominated them. Uh, you know, as far as possession and points, obviously, the, that was the highlight of that of the night was the uh, the Pearson, Toffoli, and Kempe line. Um, Toffoli and Kempe both pick up two points, and that's going to bring us um, right away to a segment that Jack and I usually do, which is the player of the game and the play of the game. We start with the play of the game, which I think was that goal by Pearson. You heard it in the intro. Obviously, I'm a <laughs> a huge fan of Tanner Pearson. I like the way his game is evolving. Um, I sort of got into it last night on Twitter with the the author of an article. Uh, he wrote it a few months ago, so it's not his fault. I was just sort of cherry picking his words. But he said that um, that the Kings didn't have enough depth, and that Tifoli and Pearson, while they were you know 
talented young players that perhaps they had hit their peak already because they were 25 and that we would be lucky uh, if Toffoli maybe scored 20 goals, maybe scored 45 points in the future, and uh, and the same of Tanner Pearson. Now, Tanner Pearson may not hit the 20-goal mark this season, but he's on pace for about 40 points. And uh, and I guess Tyler Toffoli, according to this guy, m- maybe he'll score a few more goals. Um, he's already at 22, and there's no reason that he couldn't score 25, or even if he's held at 22. I- I'm not particularly... Um, worried about the uh, the futures of Pearson or Toffoli. We've seen Pearson's game evolve. We've seen him uh, add elements to it. And, and with that goal last night, I mean, that was just a replay of, of Kopitar's goal against Vegas a few weeks ago. I'll grant you, Vegas is a much better team than, uh, than Vancouver, but Andre Kopitar is a much better player than Tanner Pearson. And again, no knock to Tanner Pearson. I love the kid. I thought that was the play of the game. Um, And, and I, like I said, he may not hit 20 goals, but I'm not. I'm not worried about Tanner Pearson having hit his ceiling <coughs> or Tyler Toffoli having hit his season either, frankly. So that was the play of the game. The player of the game, uh, for my money, was Adrian Kempe. Um, he didn't score, and that's fine, to Toffoli and, and Pearson did. Um, but he had two assists, uh, a first assist and a second assist. And in the face-off circle... Uh, he was, if I can look it up real quick, I apologize for the delay here, uh, 60%, 6 out of 10 on the face-off circle. And that, like I said, that line went up against the Sedin line. And say what you will about the Sedin line, they're still incredibly talented. They're still incredibly dangerous. Um, and especially with Bo- Bozer out of the lineup, Besser, however you pronounce his name, um, they're still the big offensive threat. And, uh, you know, the Toffoli, Pearson, and and, uh, and Kempe line, whatever you want to call it, the that 70s nine, um, they dominated them in possession, and and they won, you know, six out of ten in the faceoff dot. And Kempe was a huge part of that. You know, we talk about speed and the importance of speed, and everybody thinks that the the game is tilting towards speed. And while I may or may not uh, agree with the overall assessment, if you can find a talented player, certainly better to have him be faster than not, right? Like I'm not in favor of slower players. I just think talent is more important. Than speed, and in Kempe we have the opportunity for both. Hopefully, I mean that's the that's the dream, right? He's he's having a, a a good rookie season. You know, he tailed off a little bit in goals, but with Carter out of the lineup, and and it, this speaks to what I was saying earlier about Toffoli and, and Pearson, because this team has been in transition all season long, and because you know roles were shifting and expectations were shifting, I'm perfectly fine if if you know. Pearson has a slight regression in points or if or if Kempe, you know, scored more goals earlier in the season and then sort of uh slowed down later because, you know, he was on the third line to start the season, then he was on the second line, then he was on the wing. You know, it's it's been a mess. So I, I'm, again, I, we've been over this before. I'm not I'm, I'm no longer super compelled by by points. I'm more interested in how everybody plays and what the outcome was. And the outcome here was a win over uh, an opponent that they that they really needed to beat. <laughs> I've said it, I don't know, maybe a dozen times already, but they needed this win, and they got it. So the win puts them in third place in the Pacific Division, two points behind San Jose, with the same amount of games played, um, 69 each. That's nice. Um, it puts them one point behind Dallas. Dallas is in a wild card spot, so you know we have to keep an eye on them, but... You know, if the Kings can maintain a top three spot in the Pacific, then the wild card becomes irrelevant. Uh, if they let Anaheim or Calgary pass, then, you know, that's why we're, we're watching the wild card. They're a point ahead of Colorado for the last wild card spot. Um, 
Colorado has a game in hand, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Anaheim has uh, 80 points tied with Colorado, but the Kings have a game in hand on Anaheim. And, man, St. Louis won't go away. That They really needed to beat them that night. Um, you know, if they had won that game, they'd have 83 points, and St. Louis would have 77, and it'd be a much different uh, scenario that we're talking about. And Calgary now is sort of the odd man out with um, 78 points, not that they're terribly far behind, but again, the Kings have a game in hand on Calgary. So that brings us to the schedule, and I'm just going to throw a bunch around of words and numbers, so I apologize if it, if it doesn't make any sense. But down the stretch, the Flames play the Sharks twice, the Ducks and the Kings each once, and Vegas twice. The Sharks play, as we mentioned, the Flames twice, the Avs, Stars, and Blues once, and Vegas twice. The Ducks play the Flames, the Avs, and the Stars all once. The Avs play the Blues twice, the Sharks once, the Kings twice, the Ducks once, and Vegas twice. And I bring all that up to say, you know, those are the the four teams that the Kings are really sort of fighting with for a spot. You know, there's... I mean, it's entirely possible the Kings could pass the Sharks, right? If the Sharks lose two games and the Kings win two games, we're talking about a completely different look. The Kings have a higher goal differential. You know, Sharks have... Lineup issues, you know, the Kings have finally figured out their lineup. Um, again, it looks like Dallas and Colorado could both take wildcard spots, but Calgary and Anaheim not it. Anyway, the point is, all these teams are playing each other. So, it's going to be really difficult for any one team to put together, you know, a seven-game winning streak down the stretch, or an eight-game winning streak, or, or, or to be sort of dominant. It's going to be really hard. Not impossible. You know, nothing's impossible, but but it's going to be difficult and unlikely for any of these teams to get a, an advantage over the other scheduling-wise. And more importantly than all of that is the team that I left out, which is the Vegas Golden Knights, who play the Sharks, Avs, and Flames all twice, and the Blues once. And I think that's all in their last 11 games. Um, so that's seven games that directly impact the King standings played by the Golden Knights. So... Keep an eye on the Golden Knights, Kings fans. You know, I know there's an element that wants maybe to see them fall behind or to see them dip in the standings. Obviously, a first-round matchup with them would be incredible, but I'd rather I'd rather the Kings clinch the third spot or the second spot in the Pacific and not play Vegas in the first round <laughs> than have them battling it out for a wild-card spot and and play the, uh, the, the Golden Knights in the first round. As much fun as that would be, and as much as I'm not looking forward to another first-round matchup against San Jose, um, I think it's just a much better idea <laughs> than uh, than the alternative. So, you know, we have to root for the Golden Knights now <laughs> because they they play who we need them to beat. <laughs> um, and the Kings, you know, are in the midst of a stretch of games where they, they need to win and they should win. We mentioned they beat Vancouver. They have Arizona tonight. They have Detroit on Thursday, and those are games, like I said, that uh, should be winnable. That should be an easy six points that you can tack onto the, the Kings record. Arizona's a road game, but uh, Detroit's at home. Then they have, uh, and it gets a little bit harder. Briefly, you've got New Jersey, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. Um, Minnesota and Winnipeg are on the road, but then with Colorado, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, you know, those are games you should be able to win. Calgary, obviously, is always difficult, but there's really no reason you shouldn't win. Then they've got Anaheim the last day of March and then Colorado and finishing out against Minnesota and Dallas, which are difficult games, but hopefully by that point they'll have wrapped up a playoff spot. The point is 
you know, we hear the phrase control their own destiny all the time, but the point is the Kings control their own destiny. You know, I mentioned the other team's schedules. It's going to be really difficult for anybody to pull away. So if the Kings win the games they should and, you know, remain competitive in the games they that they lose, because obviously they're not going to go, you know, 13-0 and or, 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 you know, whatever. Um, but as long as they don't have any more clunkers, you know, or, I mean, not having any more seems unlikely just given the trend of the team over the last month. But if they can limit it to one, <laughs> one or two well-placed uh, clunkers, right? Obviously not giving up points to uh, the Flames or the Ducks or the Avs, teams that they need to to beat, you know, those four-point swing games. Um, you hope that, that, that the Kings, uh, you know, are a lock to, um, to make the playoffs. I was talking to Ken, Ken uh, Belke from... Sinbin, we were talking about the importance of goal differential. He doesn't find it compelling. To me, I think if you just take a snapshot of the standings, you know, if you're just sort of glancing at them without getting too in-depth, you know, we're not going to look at uh, advanced analytics or anything like that. For me, a really quick, handy guide is goal differential. Um, I don't have any numbers to back this up. It could just be, uh, you know, confirmation bias or something. But it seems to me that teams with a better goal differential wind up in the playoffs. And teams with a negative goal differential or, or lower goal differential are the teams that wind up missing the playoffs. And it's not a golden rule. It doesn't always happen. You can't rank the teams by goal differential. But it's a pretty high uh, correlation, I think. Um, and, you know, you look at Vegas with a plus 48 goal differential in first place. And Arizona's a minus 56 and they're in last place. And that's sort of... You know, that sort of makes sense. It You know, it, it evens out. The top teams, Nashville, Winnipeg, and Vegas, all have huge positive goal differentials. And Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona all have double-digit negative goal differentials. And you start looking at the, at the wildcard teams and the teams that are just out of a playoff spot. And if you look at the standings right now, um, there's, a, there's a line of demarcation between the wildcard and the non-wildcard teams. And then you drop two spots. And you shift from positive goal differential to negative goal differential. And, you know, Calgary can can throw a wrench in that by winning and, and passing some teams. And they have a negative goal differential. But Chicago, you know, they're the only one. Um, Anaheim, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, they all have positive. Uh, Dallas and Colorado are double-digit positives, as is everybody else in a playoff spot. And um, Anaheim and St. Louis are single-digit positive goal differentials so like I said it's not a hard fast rule Anaheim could you know could wind up with a negative goal differential and wind up in the playoffs or Calgary could somehow make up that nine uh, goal differential and and make the playoffs but but generally speaking if I have to pick between two teams with a sort of similar record um, and you don't tell me anything about their lineups you don't tell me about their seasons you just show me their records and, and just the information on the standings page like I said, generally speaking, I'll look at a team like the Kings with 81 points, you know, a 38, 26, and 5 record versus Calgary, who's got 78 points with 34, 26, and 10. Um, it's not so vast a difference in records and points, but you look at the goal differential, and the Kings are plus 27, and the Flames are minus 9. And so... I would choose the I would choose the Kings. I would choose that team with the with the larger goal differential, um, and the more wins and the more regulation and overtime wins, uh, as the team that's probably going to have a better uh, run to the end of the season. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's one of the things I look to uh, as uh, evidence 
that the, that that's going to happen and that that's uh, which horse I would back. I want to talk briefly about uh, Kopitar because there was some conversation uh, in the media room, just sort of idle chatter, nothing serious, um, about whether or not Kopitar had a legitimate shot at winning the Hart Trophy. Now, you know, he probably won't. There are other candidates. Ovechkin's making a case for himself. McKinnon has made a case for himself. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who think Connor McDavid has a case for himself. You know, you've got Malkin and Crosby and, and Kucherov and, uh, in Tampa Bay, and, and you know, there are... There are plenty of arguments to be made um, for different players, but you know, Andre Kopitar is going to lead the Kings in scoring again um, after a, a down season last year. We all know about the tremendous season he's had. He's on pace uh, to exceed 30 goals. I think he's at 28 already. He picks up another one last night off of that deflection. Um, he's got, uh, what does he have, 75 points, 76 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and uh, I'm looking at two different sites that have different point totals that doesn't seem right or i'm just not wearing my glasses <laughs> he's got 75 points sorry they both uh, they both say the same thing 28 goals 47 uh, assists and 75 points um he's scored a, a tremendous amount of goals for the kings this year somebody listed what percentage each player has of their team's goals and kopitar obviously has a, a healthy percentage of the king's goals so i don't think kopitar is going to win uh, the Hart Trophy. I don't think Dowdy's going to win the Norris. I don't. I don't expect um, many postseason awards. <laughs> I should say I don't expect any postseason awards for the Kings this season. But obviously, that's not the be all end all of anything. Um, there's 31 teams now. There's tons of players, and so if your player doesn't win a postseason award, <laughs> there's no point in crying about it. Um, but you know, I do expect one of the the bigger names. Um, whether it's Malkin or, or, or Kucherov or uh, or maybe McKinnon. If Colorado makes the playoffs, maybe McKinnon, just because he's been so incredible since that trade. But but just to speak on Kopitar, um, he really is having a tremendous season, and it has nothing to do with points. You know, you watch the way he's controlling games. You watch the way that he's controls the puck when he, when he wants to. And, you know, he's been in the league for, I don't know, 11 years now. And, you know, when I was a kid, my dad would point out certain players um, and, he, and he would always make it a point to take me to the game just so that I could say someday, oh, I saw that player play or oh, I saw that player play. Um, and, and even if I was too young to really properly appreciate how good the player was, at least now I can look back and say, OK, I saw Peter Stasny. I saw, you know, Mario Lemieux. I saw these guys when they came to the forum and then later to Staples Center Um Kopitar should be that guy to other fan bases. And and I know there's an element of Kings fans that, you know, that always want everything to be better. But the reality is it's really hard to find a player better than Kopitar in the game right now. Um, you know, if you want to sit down and do a a top line comparison of the top centers in the league, you know, you can you can fight with me about who, you know, would you rather have McDavid or Crosby or Malkin or Stamkos or Kopitar or whomever. But the reality is, if I if you know if I quote unquote lose <laughs> the draft and I wind up with Kopitar instead of Crosby or one of these other guys, I I would be perfectly happy and and I have been perfectly happy to watch him play because he really is uh, just so much fun to watch. Uh, even in a night like last night where you know it's a it's a bum opponent and uh, and he only <laughs> gets one point. Um, it's it's just it's really fun and uh, and I hope he does at least get some recognition. Like I said, I don't anticipate him winning the award, 
but I would hope that he at least gets a couple votes because um, he's a blast to watch. So that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, a short episode, not a ton to say. The Kings beat a bad opponent uh, at home on a on a Monday night where it really felt like the world was half empty. I don't know about you guys, um, but there was no traffic on the freeways last night. The building seemed uh, to fill up late. Um, even the even the media room in the press box seemed half empty. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it yesterday. But anyway, three to nothing win over the Vancouver Canucks. A game tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Hopefully, another two points on the board. Thanks for listening, King Sands. We'll talk to you soon.